0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Yes, indeed, Bonnie in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game-changers, Come on, you know by now you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's take a look at our opening quote. We call it the buzz on the street. I have a quote from Jill Rowley who's been on the show several times over the past few years. Everybody listen up. The new reality is that sales and marketing are continuously and increasingly integrated. Marketing needs to know more about sales. Sales needs to know more about marketing, and we all need to know more about our customers. I'm going to say, let's have an amen for that one. So, what are we talking about today? Mm -hmm. Digital marketing. What a term. Everybody's talking about it. It's got its own hashtag. Digital marketing encompasses all marketing activities that use an electronic device or the Internet. Now, think about this. You're using search engines, right? Using social media, using email, you're visiting websites. You use them to connect with your current customers and your prospective customers. That's the world of digital marketing. Oh, but wait a minute. I hear some of you in the background all over the world saying, oh, digital marketing doesn't concern me because I'm a sales professional. Hold on a second. You're just not the one who's doing the research on the keywords, you're not executing the campaigns, you're not looking at optimizing the results, well, think again. You are part of digital marketing. You're all aligned, and that was from the quote from Jill Rowley, the point she was trying to make. Here's a a good, interesting statistic that will help turn you around. Organizations with tightly aligned sales and marketing teams, that's right, I said aligned, get over it, have 38% higher sales win rates. And 36% higher customer retention rates. Who wouldn't love to report? those numbers. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I have three experts on the panel today, and they're going to help us figure this all out and set everybody straight about this marketing integration, and our topic today is digital marketing, what every sales pro needs to understand. Mm -hmm. So we're talking to you who don't think you're part of digital marketing. Yes, you are. First up in a moment, I'll be having my panelists introduce themselves. We'll be hearing from Mike O'Neill, Integrated Alliance. He is a Forbes Top 50 Social Media Influencer. I'm impressed, Mike. And the author of Rock the World with LinkedIn. Yoo-hoo! And then we have Bernie Borges, returning panelist. Always happy to have Bernie. He's the co-founder and CMO at a company called Gresso. And if you don't know what they are or who they are, Bernie will explain. And of course we're thrilled to welcome back Kirsten Boileau, the sponsor of this series. And she is now the global head of digital enablement at SAP. Her title changes so often I can't keep up with it because she's a woman on the move. So there. Mike O'Neill, you're up first. Please introduce yourself. Take about two minutes and tell us what you do. What is your company? What's your book about? Mike, go ahead.
2: All right. Well, thank you, Bonnie. It was a great meeting you the other day and stuff. You're the rock star, but uh, I go as the <laughs> Lincoln rock star. And I've been to a thousand concerts and hit 30,000 connections in 2009. So I guess if you're going to hit the charts, you know, you better have the numbers. Uh, but I'm from, mm-hmm. the, I'm from the technology world. So I come from from the world of local area networks and telecom and all of that. So I have a data viewpoint on everything versus, you know, some of our other guests probably are from, more from the marketing side. It's not that for you. And, and we make a colorful world together. Um, I'm a combination of left brain and right brain. So I take those systems and I color them up and make them understandable to folks. And uh, we started in, in Denver uh, 20 almost, almost 20 years ago. Um, and 15 years ago, I discovered LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, became the, the, first, the first coach and trainer in the country. So I go way back. I'm old school, but uh, we're here to talk about new stuff. Plenty of new ideas for everybody here.
1: Thank you very much, Mike. I love the excitement. I wish you had more energy, Mike O'Neill. Okay, we'll get rid of that. Mike, just quickly tell me, rock the world with LinkedIn. How was the book received, and why did you write it? Just quickly. Well,
2: you know, in the, in the early days, it wasn't so hard to stand out, quite frankly, but it was becoming so. You know, just being on LinkedIn was enough, and now, now it's important to, to fit in on LinkedIn and stand out, and, and that's where it, 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 uh, it comes into play. We revised it in 2015, fitting in by fitting in, making sure you get caught on the list. you got your keywords, you know, sort of the, the mm-hmm. profile concept of SEO, and standing out by being more exciting than anyone else on the page, so you get the click. So that's what the book is, is about. Uh, I've got a new book coming out as well, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want to predate anything.
1: Okay, well, maybe you'll come back and tell us about the new book. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. Pleasure to have you on the show. Bernie Borges, welcome back. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and what Vingresso is all about?
3: Well, hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me back. Uh, So, uh, you know, I I grew up in sales. I spent the, the first 15 years of my career in software sales, and then kind of by accident I fell into a marketing role and then started my own marketing content marketing agency focused on on B2B uh, companies clients and two years ago I came together with my three co-founders and we launched Vingresso and Vingresso is focused on helping B2B sales organizations essentially modernize become more relevant to the modern buyer and teaching them the digital sales techniques and strategies that they need to find engage And connect with their buyers and then take those connections into sales conversations, which is ultimately what salespeople need to do, is to have sales conversations in order to build pipeline. Thank you very much, My role in the company is is CMO, so Mm -hmm. I'm building brand and demand generation and uh, working with uh, folks like you along the way uh, with honor and distinction.
1: Well, you're very kind. Bernie, what does gresso" mean? I know it's one of those, I don't know if you call it a made-up name. Are there parts of that we need to understand, the VEN, V-E-N, I know veneer to go in French, Gresso, maybe that's part of aggressive. You tell me, what does the name mean?
3: Uh, yeah, it's funny that you ask. It's actually kind of a mashup between two Spanish words that combine uh, the word um, Venda and Gresso, and it's, it's sales and revenue. And so, since mm. in B2B, we want to create good sales that produces revenue for the company, not just numbers. So it's a mass up of those two words to form the word Vengreso.
1: Very Bernia. interesting. I didn't pick up on that missing D for Vend, Vend to Sell. Thank you very much. Interesting. You probably told me that a couple of years ago, but I thought it was worth mentioning to our listeners again. Thank you, Bernie. Welcome back. Kirsten Boyleau, the lady whose title changes and you keep moving up in the ranks of the world's most, most uh, accomplished uh, everything. So Kirsten, I'm very happy to have you. Always <laughs> delighted. Always delighted when a series sponsor shows up on that, one of their own panels. So Kirsten, why don't you tell everybody what you've been up to recently?
4: Well, yes, yeah, sure. I love um, being on the show, Bonnie. So, thank you for uh, putting it together and always being such a wonderful host. Um, I, over the last uh, eight or nine months, I've kind of expanded my role beyond um, you know the the digital marketing or sorry, the digital selling piece that I've been doing for the last six years and as well as a few other things along the way, but this year I have really kind of honed in on the learning and development side of, of the um, digital selling piece that I've owned and have expanded that scope to now include the upskilling of the entire uh, marketing organization on digital marketing, so the mm. SAP marketing organization, uh, as well as um, I'm also in the, on the team that is launching marketing automation at SAP, and so I'm... Uh, responsible for some of the upscaling around the marketing automation piece as well, which of course lines up with the whole digital marketing piece and your selling all falls into that. So it all really kind of comes together. It's been an awesome uh, last few months of being able to really focus in on those areas.
1: Very exciting for you. Very excited to hear, Kirsten, and I know you're the person for the job. It is not just a small marketing team at SAP. I know that very well because I've been (laughs) around them. I was part of them for a long time. So it's a humongous job, but very, very happy that you're moving in directions that keep you excited about your job. Isn't that what it's all about? Yes, it is. And thank you for your kind words on Twitter. Anybody wants to follow along with the fun, we're at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now it's the time in the show when uh, I have asked each of my panelists in advance to send me an interesting quote not on the topic of digital marketing and marketing and sales alignment, but something inspirational and fun, possibly from a movie, a song, uh, from a famous person. And we have one of each. We have one from a movie, we have one from a song, and we have one from a very famous person. And I'm going to ask them to relate the quote they selected to the topic of the day. So we get to hear how each of my panelists feels and thinks and talks and speaks and how it all comes together in their mind. So Mike O'Neill is up first and Mike has sent us a wonderful quote, Mike, from the movie Mr. Mom. We're harking back to the year 1983 and the movie was about, it was a comedy about a family man named Jack Butler, played by the one and only Michael Keaton, who loses his job and he needs to take care of his three kids, so his wife, I haven't seen her in years in movies, Terry Garr, wonderful actress and comedian, she goes back to work and she leaves him to, as they say in the blur, Fight off a vacuum cleaner and learn why it's never a good idea to feed chili to a baby. The quote is, 220, 221, whatever it takes. Mike, what are we talking about here?
2: Oh, God, I love that. I, I've used it over and over. I, I, I literally would play that, that little quote um, in a PowerPoint um, until the day that uh, the, the, the vocals didn't come through anymore. I'd stop. It's too hard. Um, <laughs> Precision matters. And what we're doing, you know, the difference between one digit and another um, has, has blaring differences. We're not, we're not using a shotgun. We're using lasers here. And, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you happen to type the word or in lowercase instead of uppercase, it doesn't seem like much. But it means a lot to the systems. And when the zip code is off by one digit, you know, things go to the wrong place. So that's what that about. I'm a precise guy. We've worked, I work with data systems a lot. So that's where that comes from.
1: Very, very interesting. The movie, by the way, they're remaking yeah. the movie right now. It's, it's coming out soon. Really? Well, well, tell me something. When we talk about precision, how does that apply to what you specialize in? Your book, Rock the World with LinkedIn. How precise do you need to be in your descriptions? In what you post? How precise do you need to be in keeping a schedule? Perhaps, Mike, in terms of being present, having a reputation. Getting noticed, becoming a person people value and trust. How, do, how precise do we have to be in all of that?
2: Well, let's talk about the right message to the right person. If, if message A over here is, is about technology, you can be kind of geeky. And if the targets and people you're, you're sending that message to are geeky people, that's just great. But if you happen to click the wrong industry instead of computer software, you pick consumer goods. <laughs> And now you're talking geeky to them. You're just one checkbox away. But that little bit of precision makes your message just entirely wrong for the audience. And they're going to wonder what's going on. And, you know, we get in trouble on LinkedIn when we engage the wrong people or when we say the wrong things to the right people. It's got to be the right combination of both. You know, the input needs to match the output in the data world.
1: Interesting. Thank you. I, I wanted to bring that in. I thought that was a good point. Thank you, Mike. Bernie Borges has he well, Mike picked one from a movie. Now here we go from a famous person. Bernie Borges has selected very interesting quote and truly inspirational Bernie from Billy Graham from his book Nearing Home. Billy Graham full name William Franklin Graham Junior. 1918 to 2018, left us last year in February, an American evangelist, prominent evangelical Christian figure, ordained Southern Baptist minister, became well known in the late 1940s. 40s. Wow. One of his biographers placed him among the most influential Christian leaders of the 20th century, and Billy Graham was on Gallup's list of the most admired men and women, a record 61 times. Just let that sink in. So here is the quote Bernie has selected from Billy Graham. And by the way, my last name is Graham, and there's no connection whatsoever. Here's the quote. Every human being is under construction from conception To death, Bernie. That is very profound. Can you tell us how it relates to our topic today?
3: Yes, Bonnie. It is very profound. And as you pointed out, Billy Graham has a very uh, impressive legacy that he's left on this planet. He was a confidant to many world leaders, as well as just uh, an amazing human being that inspired millions and millions. And that short sentence, "Every human being is under construction from conception to death," has so much meaning and and. And relevance to what we're discussing here today. First of all, every company in the world is made up of, guess what, human beings. And in fact, uh, as uh, Kirsten, as you know, Bill McDermott, CEO of SAP, uh, is famously credited. I use this quote all the time. I always attribute it to Bill McDermott, and that is that no one buys software from a glass building. People buy from people. And those people are under construction their entire life. And since companies are made up of people, therefore, companies themselves are under construction throughout their entire lifespan. You know, I work for a company, um, I'm going to date myself here, back in the 80s, who in their day was a really hot company and, and, a, and a leader in their category. Eventually, I'm happy to say, it, well after I left, they went out of business, not happy to mm. say they went out of business, but I'm just happy to say it was after I left, meaning I had no impact on that. <laughs> but some companies do go out of business, and then companies like SAP thrive for decades and decades because the people within those companies are constantly evolving, maturing, getting better. So every human being that makes up a company is under construction, and companies need to recognize that and develop those people so that the company, as it goes through, it's – lifespan of construction is constantly growing and evolving in a very positive way that impacts the marketplace, their customers, and of course, their employees.
1: Thank you very much, Bernie. Very interesting quote. Uh, makes you think, right? You know, you know the old phrase, Bernie. Somebody says, "Put a fork in me." Am I? Am I done? Or I'm done? Well, we're we're not done. So, I I really appreciate that. Just putting a little humorous spin on that. Thank you very much. And Kirsten Boyleau is the one on the panel who selected a music quote. Kirsten, you introduced me to somebody I have. Never in a million years uh, heard of. So I looked her up. Uh, the the person who who's uh, let me just read this. Uh, the quote is from Lights Pox Lightner Boken, born Valerie Ann Pox Lightner, P O X L E I T N E R, 1987. A kid, as far as I'm concerned. She's known monominously, meaning mononymously, as Lights. She's a Canadian singer, songwriter, author, and illustrator. She's known for her gold-certified albums, The Listening, and Siberia, as well as many others. Here's the thing. She released her fourth studio album, Skin and Earth, with an ampersand between, in 2017, accompanied by a, I don't know what this means, a graphic novel of the same name. She was awarded the 2009 Juno Award for New Artist of the Year and two. 2009 Astral Media Radio Awards during Canadian Music Week. So here's the quote that Kirsten has selected from this, I don't know whether it's from the book or the music, Skin and Earth. Listen up, everyone. You have to be uncomfortable in order to be successful in some ways. If you stay in your comfort zone, you would never do the things that you need to do. Kirsten, where did you find this? I'm fascinated. Talk to me.
4: (laughs) Well honestly I I kind of stumbled across it and just to clarify a a graphic novel is like a comic book it's just longer it's actually Thank you. Tells a long story in in graphic form like a um, comic graphic form. Uh my son reads them all the time because he doesn't really like reading um but he likes graphic novels. Um I I really like this. I I just I kind of stumbled across lights, and I actually quite like her music. Um, I'm not sure I would read her graphic novels; not really my thing. But um, her music is actually really quite good, Uh, and she's Canadian, so that's even better. Um, And you really have to. I really I love the quote because it really kind of focuses in on the things that I get, I hear from sales and marketing now, all the time you know, I don't have time for this. This isn't, um, you know, this is uh, not relevant to me. Um, and all, I think every time somebody says that to me, it's because they're uncomfortable. Change is not mm. easy. Having to learn something new, especially after we've been out of school for, from, in my case, quite a long time, um, you know, going back and, and actually studying and, and doing something new is uncomfortable. And in order to, um, as, you know, as Bernie was saying, in order to actually be successful, we really truly need to to be uncomfortable, to um, kind of grow into that new set of skin. It's like, a, uh, you know, a snake shedding its skin. It gets uncomfortable and then it has to shed that skin and shed off that old stuff and bring out something new or a butterfly. You know, there's lots of different um, analogies you could use, but it, it all starts with being uncomfortable in some way. And then uh, it brings forth something new and amazing um, uh, from that uncomfortableness.
1: Thank you. Very, very interesting. That's like when children get to that plateau, isn't it, Kirsten? I know you're a mom of a couple of kids, more than a couple of kids. And uh, when they get to a plateau, you need to get to that uncomfortable level where you get up off the floor and start crawling and you start reaching for that chair, that table, right? And then you take your first steps. And it's always uncomfortable to be able to, to go to the next and to need to go and to want to go to the next. Am I on the right track there?
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have uh, an eighth. Almost, he'll be 18 in 10 days. <laughs> oh. And, you know, moving into that whole new realm of, you know, he's going to be leaving school soon and he's going to be, um, you know, moving off into that whole adult world. And that's uncomfortable for him. He, uh, you know, not that long ago he said, oh, Mama, I don't want to grow up. Like, I, I don't want Aww. to get older. <laughs> And, I, you know, it's just, it's uncomfortable, but it's, it's one of those things that it just has to happen. If you're going to move forward, if you're going to be successful, you have to be uncomfortable and move through it. Um, you can't escape it. You can't go over or under it or around it. You really need to move through it, take that uncomfortableness, embrace it, and grow from it.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? Let's flip that over on its on its ear. It's uncomfortable for the parents, too, to see their kids getting wings and growing and flying out of the nest. Let's leave that one alone. Been through it a couple times myself. Oh, my. <laughs> What's going to happen to them when I'm not there to tell them what to do every minute of the day or let them cry on my shoulder? Mommy, mommy. Talking about Mr. Mom. I'm sure he went through that in the movie. So we now have a little segment called Up Close and Personal. Just a quick getting to know our panelists a little bit better, as if you don't know them already very well by now, and thank you to the three of you for really, really interesting quotes and for the explanations of how they relate to our topic. Mark O'Neill, two questions for you. Let's do this. Where are you calling from today, sure. and what's your favorite beverage that makes you smile, makes you happy, makes you relax? Whatever it does, tell us what is it, and why is it important to you?
2: Uh, I'm calling from Minneapolis, Minnesota, a little town called Prior Lake, a little south of there. And uh, my beverage of choice is fresh squeezed orange juice, uh, a gallon of it. I can pound I can more than anybody I know.
1: Wow. Wow. Is there a particular kind of orange? Do you use navel oranges, or I'm not going to say blood oranges, no. I just did. What, what kind of oranges do you use? Any spr- or just whatever's in the market?
2: The oranges you find on the side of the road when you're in Florida, and the the oranges are right over there, and the squeezer's right over there, and they're on ice right over there. You pull up in your car, you say, I'll have that gallon,
1: you go, that kind of orange juice. Wow. I don't think anybody, Mike, in nine years of radio, a couple of thousand shows, I don't think anybody has ever described fresh orange juice like that before or said it at all. Thank you. I knew you would be unique. Bernie Borges, you've done this so many times, I can't even keep up with all the drinks you mentioned. But where are you today, Bernie, and what do you love to drink these days?
3: So I'm in my home office in the Tampa Bay area in Florida. Uh, specifically Palm Harbor, which is uh, one of many suburbs of Tampa Bay. And, um, you know, it is uh, 1025 Eastern uh, a.m. And before noon, Bonnie, the only thing I drink other than a little bit of water is coffee, black coffee, strong French roast, black coffee. I don't put anything in it. I don't doctor it up with milk or sugar. Just Mm -hmm. black. And here it is, 1025. I've already had three cups. Now I'm done. I'm not going to have any more. (laughs) But I already had three cups of strong French roast, bitter black coffee. I favor Starbucks and as the two brands that I favor the most because they're, again, bitter and strong. And that's my preferred drink before noon, pretty much seven days a week.
1: Wow. Very interesting. I'm a, a dark roast coffee, undoctored fan as well. I I stay away from coffee, as you know, Bernie, on radio show days, and I have two shows an hour apart today, so I'm not allowed to go near caffeine, but I applaud you if you've had three cups already. Oh, my. Bernie is smiling. And now, Kirsten, I know you're in, I think you're in Waterloo, Canada, but why don't you tell us exactly where you are and what's your favorite drink these days? You've had several over the years on the show, so what's your favorite now? <laughs>
4: Uh, I am based in St. Jacob's, Ontario, Canada, which is about a five-minute drive from the Waterloo office here in mm-hmm. uh, in Ontario, and um, my favorite drink is, uh, I really like uh, Earl Grey tea. Uh, that's probably mm. my favorite all the way along, but I sometimes I switch it up with a green tea or a, um, a chai latte, but um, generally really like an Earl Grey tea or an orange pico, but it has to be tatly if it's orange pico. Um, mm. So that's those are my things.
1: Isn't there a, a variety of Earl Grey, Kirsten, that has? Oh, I, I want to say lavender in it, or something else. Is, isn't there a style around thinking of Lady Grey, some perhaps? Some
4: them have vanilla. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure people have put lavender in it. I'm not sure I would drink
1: lavender. That would. I um, don't. I don't think. So. I want to. I like want s- to smell it, but I. <laughs> I want to smell it in the bath or or in the closet, but I, I don't want it in my tea. I agree with you. Well, those of you who don't know me, Bonnie D. Graham, creator, producer, host, founder of Game Changers Radio so many years ago. I think we're in our ninth year now. Kirsten, I think your show's been with us for five years now. It's been a long, long time. We're looking forward to 2020, and we're going to start renewing all of our favorite shows, and your show is right up there, ranked at the top of the one that people really love to listen to, Kirsten. And I'm only allowed to drink water on radio show days because goodness knows what would happen if they let me near caffeine, right? Mike O'Neill, don't say a word. So we're going to take a quick (laughs) break. The pause that refreshes. We have a great panel today. We're talking about digital marketing, what every sales pro needs to understand. And the subtext of that is what you need to understand is that even though you say, I'm a sales professional, digital marketing still falls in your wheelhouse, in your bailiwick, whatever you want to say. You need to integrate, align marketing with sales if it's going to work. We have three wonderful panelists today. Very, very smart. They all know exactly what this means. Mike O'Neill, author, rock star, and Integrated alliances is his company. Bernie Borges at Vingresso and Kirsten Boyleau at SAP. We're going to take a quick break so you know the drill. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Aaron out.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales and marketing organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future digital selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business from building the fundamentals in the sales and marketing process and getting the content marketing mix right to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how digital selling is changing the world of business. Changing the game with digital selling is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with digital selling.
1: Yes, indeed. We sure are with Mike O'Neill at Integrated Alliance. And we have Bernie Borges of Ingresso and Kirsten Boilo at SAP talking about what every sales pro needs to understand about digital marketing. We didn't say digital selling. We said digital marketing. They need to align with marketing. It's going to be beneficial to them. For their quotas and to the company overall. Mike O'Neill's going to kick off the roundtable. Here we go. Here's what Mike told me before the show. Michael will explain it for a couple minutes and then we'll see what Bernie Borges and Kirsten Boileau have to say, whether they agree or disagree or what they want to add. So Here's what Mike said. There are three major LinkedIn marketing methods. Each has its own followers and practitioners. I'm going to stop there, Mike, and let you explain it, please. Uh, Sure.
2: So um the, the, there are buckets of ways that we integrate um, um, what we do and that we, that we communicate uh, with, other, with other people in the LinkedIn world in which I live. I, just, I don't live in the, the multi dimensional world. I pretty much live in this world that has, has many other, uh, other players in it. And the, the first bucket are folks that, 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 that take to the posting and the branding and the beautiful profiles and, and the articles, all the content stuff. You know, Bernie's expert in that. I'll let him kind of kind of kind of dive into that one. Um, the second one has to do with ads, and, and LinkedIn has an advertising platform that's extremely powerful, especially the targeting, it's just amazing. But it's its own animal. People people in that area tend to be in that area. You know, A.J. Wilcox is one person who's the expert in that, for example. And I'm in I'm mostly in the, the third area, and that's where that's where we deal with the inbox of people and the data and CRM systems and more work, where um, we're, we're treating folks as, as targets who, who get nurtured um, and keeping track of that data, not just on LinkedIn, but outside with some sort of integration within it. And, and this, this show here actually brings together all three of these things. Where this is the integrated marketing show that brings together multiple things. So I thought that would be a good topic to, to get started with. I deal with the precision and the data side of things trying to make sure that folks don't get locked into just LinkedIn. They can get their data into Salesforce, into pipe driving, other places so they can take a multidimensional approach. But it would fall flat without content, and, uh, and you know, that's the fuel to the car that I'm driving.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. Bernie Borges, join us, please. Agree or disagree or add something to what Mike O'Neill just put on the table for us.
3: Sure. So I definitely do agree that, uh, branding and content are important in engaging uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, what I said earlier about, you know, people make up companies. So the buyer, the person that you're selling to, uh, when they're on LinkedIn and they're looking to engage with a prospective seller, they're looking at that person's overall profile, their credibility, their credentials, their experience. Yes, the content matters. Yes, the branding matters. It makes an impression, especially when it's consistent from rep to rep to rep within a company, the company in general makes a strong impression. Then then it's all about how does that person engage? So, you know, Mike was speaking to a a data-driven approach in terms of uh, targeting people that you want to engage with. So that's all about finding the right people. And then when you do the outreach to them, you've got to have the right content, the right messaging, the right cadence, the right approach. Um, and you have to be human. And, and it comes back to content as well. You know, Mike alluded to that, that I would harp on that. And you were right, Mike, I certainly will harp on that because uh, it is an important element of how we engage with the modern buyer. So I generally agree. And from, from an ad's perspective, I think it has its role. Um, not all companies, you know, advertise on LinkedIn. I get that. Those that do and do it well. Can have some success. Uh, I think there's definitely some science to it, uh, and people like AJ Wilcox and, and others out there that have the expertise can can help with that. So I would overall, in general,
1: agree with Mike's points. Thank you, Bernie Kirsten. Please join us. Thoughts
4: yeah I think there's there's a lot to be said for how a sales rep can engage in um particularly in that individual posting sharing and writing piece um I think that there's a lot that uh they can do that they can um you know even just engaging with other content that's out there you know they've got a prospect in mind they're trying to get on their radar trying to kind of engage with them uh they by Actually, you know, engaging with content that perhaps they're sharing—maybe it's um, an article that they read or something like that—and starting to have that conversation with them, I think that they can really start to um, engage and build up that relationship through that medium. Uh, The the ads and messaging are really on the marketing side and and are not as um, driven by by sales. And so it's a really great point to bring those two pieces together. I I think sales probably should have and could have uh, more influence on where those ads are going, how they're um, created, how that messaging is is shared out through um, the the messaging option on LinkedIn. There's lots of different options there. And I think um, probably having sales um, promote more and or um, uh, interact more Um, have more input into how those are created is probably a good way to bring sales and marketing together on those, on those pieces.
1: Thank you, Kirsten. And thank you, Bernie. Mike, anything you want to add to that before I move on? I've got a very provocative statement here in Bernie Borges' notes list. So Mike, anything you want to? It seems like we've got a nice, nice agreement here. It's the, the right message to the right audience. That's the, that's the sum of it. There you go. Now, talking about message, Bernie says, he told me before the show, sellers need to touch buyers 18 times. That's right. I said 18 to convert them to an opportunity. And Bernie, here's the provocative part. He says, most sellers suck at it. Bernie, provocative. Talk to me. What does this all mean?
3: Funny, I knew you were going to pick that one. I just <laughs> no, knew <you> it.
1: Didn't.
3: <laughs> and, and I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. So think about it. So the first part of that statement is that sellers need to touch buyers 18 times to convert them to an opportunity. Um, That statistic comes from uh, insidesales.com. And the premise behind that, if you think about the logic, everybody's really busy and it's really difficult to just break through the noise and reach the people that you need to reach. And so we've got sellers have to be touching their buyers multiple times. And the reason I say most sellers suck at it is because most of them do it exactly the same way. Most of them just constantly barrage them with an email. And we've all been on the receiving end of that email, right? It's like, hey, I'm sure you're busy and you didn't get, you know, you didn't have a chance to respond to my email from three days ago, but, and then three days later, there's another email that pretty much says the same thing with slightly different words and, and that continues over and over again. Maybe there's some follow-up phone calls. But here's the point. We really – sellers need to be reaching out with value and not these beg emails, B-E-G. That's why they suck at it because they're begging. They're begging to have a touch point instead of delivering value. And so when sellers get good at delivering value in those 18 touch points – then they have a higher chance of that buyer eventually responding because remember that buyer's busy. So mm-hmm. when the seller is reaching out with value touch points, providing some relevant content and not necessarily asking for a whole lot in return, Hey, when you're ready to talk, you know, I'd love to chat with you. But in the meantime, here's a great piece of content that addresses what we discussed two weeks ago and specifically point that out. So most sellers are not trained to do that and they really should learn how to do that, and they will improve their conversion rates if they learn how to reach out and touch those buyers 18 times with value instead of begging for the next conversation.
1: Interesting. Bernie, that takes stamina. That takes fortitude. That takes the P word, patience. To most sellers, is the reason they suck at it that they either don't know how to find those relevant content resources to share, or they just run out of patience? What's your take on that?
3: So we actually have a different word for it, Bonnie. We have the word instead of, yes, it does take persistence for sure. We, mm. we call it a cadence, having mm. a cadence. And cadence means it's actually mapped out. It, it's, it's, it's part of your game plan and it's your game plan. It could be your game plan generically, but it can also be a little bit more unique to certain types of accounts that you're calling on if you're in, a, in an account based Selling environment, or if you're in a vertical industry focus, or whatever the, the case may be. But it really is about having the cadence to have those 18 touch points mapped out so that it isn't as heavy a lift as it might sound in this conversation because it's been mapped out in advance as a cadence. But the important thing, Bonnie, is that sales leadership is really delivering this to the salespeople so that they're not creating it themselves. So, they can spend more time delivering that and, and not have to think about actually creating it themselves.
1: Thank you. Very interesting. Kirsten, we got to get your take on this. Agree or disagree with Bernie on either the number of times or whether most sellers suck at it or, or if you like the concept of cadence. Kirsten, you're, you know what this is all about. What do you think?
4: Well, early on, as Bernie was talking, I was like, "Really, 18 times? If you're providing value, and do you really think?" And then, and then he got to that point. <laughs> it doesn't take as long. I don't think it takes as long, if you truly are providing value right from the very start when you're getting in front of the right audience. As long as you're you're choosing your audience properly. Um, if you're targeting them well with very valuable content and you're ha- building those relationships um, right from the very start and not just trying to sell them something, I think we can uh, reduce that number of um, of t- touch points Uh the cadence is absolutely critical to making sure that you're uh, getting ready in front of them at the right times when they are online, you know, when um, they are engaging the most with content, you know, watching for those things is really important to know, okay, so this is, um, that's when I need to, to make sure that I can get in front of them, and um, and I think, um I think there's also a point where this, it brings together marketing and sales. Sales provides that cadence of those touch points of making sure that they're having those, those uh, building that relationship, having those um, interactions with the customer. The valuable content comes from marketing, um, and, and bringing those two pieces together makes for a magical uh, solution, I believe.
1: Interesting. If, if you don't agree with the 18, can you boil that number down or pare it down a little bit, Kirsten? Would you say 12? Would you say 6? Any thoughts?
4: Well, I, I mean, when I was in business development, we used to say that you had to t- to call because uh, I was a, a caller, I was a outbound mm-hmm. dialer, um, and we had to call at least uh, eight times um, in order to make any sort of even contact. Now, if you're talking about having that. Uh, converting that to an actual opportunity that takes a number more. So I would say I'm going to say between you know 12 to 14 likely. Um, hmm. So it, it's not a huge reduction, but 18 is a lot of of uh, touches.
1: Interesting. Now let's get a third opinion on this, Mr. Mike O'Neill, LinkedIn trainer, author, out there. Talk to me. What do you think? Agree? Disagree? What's your number?
2: Well, i play a Batting cleanup is a little different than being the the uh, leadoff hitter, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So uh, when we talk about cadence, um, I, I agree entirely. The automation or the systemization of that cadence in, 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 uh, in emails that go out in LinkedIn messages that go out or in a combination, and that's what we don't really have right now. We don't really have the systems and, and, the, and tools we need. To, to say on week one I want to send an email, on week two I want to send that LinkedIn message, on week three I want to do a phone call, on week four I want to do an email, on week five I want to do LinkedIn. The, the, the cadences tend to be in the same path, not left, right, center, on, on different media. And, and when we communicate with people with a message, we those folks anywhere in the disc world or the Myers-Briggs world. So, so we might be talking left brain to someone who's right brain. We might be using numbers to someone who's colorful. And, and there, there's techniques in, in content to try to handle everybody a, a little bit. And one of them I, I'll share here is if you're going to use content that has a list, Make one of the items on the list for a high D and one of the items on the list for a low D. However, mm-hmm. you plan the multi- to, for a message to reach an audience that could be anywhere on the spectrum. Now, if it's possible to to create lists and put people into one bucket or another, and we talk, we talk left brain and systems to these folks, and we talk branding and impressions to those folks, because we've psychologically put them into that bucket or that bucket, and they're going to take that sort of approach, and, and, and it's going to talk to them better if we use numbers and if we use adjectives. So um, I'll just throw that out to start up maybe some conversation, because when you take LinkedIn, email, Facebook, um, uh, phone calling, other, other methods of these touch points, um, you know, things get kind of interesting. It gets a little hard
3: to
1: manage. Interesting. Thank you. Good conversation. Bernie, you started a really good one here. Bernie, you want to wrap this one up? Thoughts back to Mike and to Kirsten?
3: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that, that come to mind as I listen to both Kirsten and Mike uh, remark on it. And that is that you know multiple touch points certainly can span different channels. Uh, I think um, both Kirsten and Mike alluded to that. So certainly a phone call. But let's also remember a LinkedIn invitation to connect. That alone can trigger three Touch points, the connection request, the response, thank you for connecting, here's a valuable piece of content, and then perhaps a follow-up a few days later for either a, uh, a meeting, if that's relevant, or another piece of content. So so the, the omni-channel approach, meaning multiple touch points across multiple channels, is definitely part of the cadence approach, and you can get through that 12 to 18 uh, faster than it may appear. Mm -hmm. Uh, on on paper anyway
1: thank you very much good provocative around the table kirsten i'm looking here at part of your number two statement you sent me and i'm going to pair it up with something that bernie said and let me let you explain it and then we'll we'll expand it we'll bring mike and bernie and you say by understanding how to know what their prospects are looking for sales professionals can partner with their marketing team to create very targeted content thus creating a better and more personalized experience for the customer or the prospect. And I'm pairing that with Bernie says 93% of buyers expect a personalized experience from sellers, and he appropriately calls that the Amazon effect. So Kirsten, how do you know what this very targeted content is? How much, we're back to cadence and time and number of touch points and relevance and, and being timely and knowing what they want, how do you create that targeted content How much work do you have to do to explore who this person, this company is, and what would appeal to them? Is it their social profile? Is it uh, getting on a phone with somebody who knows them? Or how, how do you know what to target or where to target it? That's a big question here.
4: Yeah, and I think that that comes down to this is where um, helping sales to understand how marketing operates and how to know, how to listen to their customers, um, to that that how to know piece. How do they do that listening? And that listening encompasses not just actually looking at their their social profiles, but also leveraging other tools that marketing provides, such as um, persona-based uh stats, essentially, you know, this is the type of, um, this is the industry that we're in, this is the level of, um, uh, of the employee that we're, we're targeting, you know, they're at a, a VP level or they're at a C level, um, this is how, what kinds of things that they're going to be um, concerned about, things that they're going to be looking for, you know, that persona-based. And then also using um, kind of just uh, understanding the industry as a whole, to know, okay, so this has just come out, you know, some new legislation in oil and gas or something along those lines, mm-hmm. and really com- leveraging all of the information available to you and then um, working with marketing to create, the, you know, and it's not, is it going to be absolutely individualized? That depends on how big the, I would imagine it really depends on how big the, um, the customer is that you're going to um, after. Is it um, someone who could provide hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue? Then you're probably going to work very, very hard at creating very, very personalized experiences. Um, is it, uh, you know, in, in a scope of you've got a 1,000 accounts and you're, you're trying to kind of segment them out, then you're going to create a more um, something that is personalized but probably not absolutely customized to to that individual. Um, but personalized in that it, it talks about the right industry, it talks at the right level for the, the customer that you're um, approaching, um, and it is very on point around things that are happening um, in that particular industry or in that particular role within that industry.
1: Thank you, Kirsten. Let's go around the table. Mike O'Neill, talk to me. Targeted content, how do you get it? How do you find it? How do you develop it?
2: I love it. I love it. I love it. We take a large list and we turn it into smaller lists. So our our message is to the small business market because they have less than 200 employees. Or it's for the big business market because they've got more than 5,000 employees. But don't send the big business message message to the small one or vice versa if you mess that part up. But, yeah, you can't personalize messages one-on-one unless you're actually looking at the person. But if you are, and a sales rep can do this, um, I've got my list to go through for today. Here's my 20 people for today. I look at each of their profiles. I take a templated message that, that, that fits anybody, and then I customize it to that person, and then the next one, and the next one. Tomorrow brings 20 more. So with a nice approach like that, you can customize each one. It's just not mass. And, and you know, the, the mass part is one touch point, and the personal part, you know, maybe as, maybe as another, probably takes
1: a little bit of both. That's all. Thank you very much. Bernie Borges, weigh in on this, please.
3: So we are living increasingly in an account based uh, selling world, whether it's by named account or by vertical industry or, or maybe a combination of the two. And so listening to the needs of those accounts. Is something that, uh, Kirsten mentioned. And I want to just speak to in, in limited time here. I want to speak to one method of listening that we shouldn't overlook. And that is what phone conversations are taking place between salespeople and pro- prospects and customers. And, you know, there's some really, uh, interesting advanced, uh, technology that's available now that allows you to listen to those conversations and not just from a traditional listening, but from an analytic standpoint. To surface keywords, concepts, themes, trends, objections, et cetera, from those conversations so that you're not dependent on the old school of just having salespeople saying, hey, here's what I'm hearing from my prospects and customers. But allow some technology through some analytics to really surface what those topics are and then then get together between marketing and sales and sort of prioritize those topics and then come up with uh, the content strategy. To, uh, to produce content, to produce custom custom or personalized content for those target accounts.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. Great points from all three of you for our, our audience all over the world. Now it's time. Mr. Mike O'Neill, you're up first. It's, we're in the crystal ball portion of the show where I ask each of you to tell me what you predict will change Something that's different. Maybe we won't call it digital marketing, which has digital marketing six syllables. Maybe we'll just call it O'Neill. Two syllables. I don't know. What will change about digital marketing and the sales pro approach to it in between, let's say, between now and 2025, Mike, I'm going to give you 60 seconds for your prediction. Bernie's going to tee his up, get ready, and then Kirsten, and then we'll wrap it up. So Mike O'Neill, you're up first. Crystal Ball, what are we looking forward to?
2: Um, Well, I think we're looking forward to some concern. Um, I see
1: lots of opportunity everywhere,
2: but behind much of that, I see there being a big concern of some very large data breach that we have not yet even imagined Mm. could be possible. Um, That there are are pieces of software planted, sitting there, just waiting for the right time to jump out and take something out. And it might have been some little click for a, for a GIF file that somebody watched on a government computer somewhere, and lo and behold, something happened, or somebody inside the LinkedIn development world or Facebook world or, or Snapchat somewhere. It's just somebody clicks on a link somewhere, somehow, that it infects, and, and, and it brings the, the, the world um, not to its knees, but to a whole new level of, of standard and all. And I'm, I'm concerned about, about data and privacy and and what it can do, For for people's confidence in doing things online, so if if that if that creates trouble with people not trusting computers and online stuff anymore, our world has really shifted that way. And where where would we go if if we didn't have our couldn't trust our online transactions because Wells Fargo was infected? Um, um, I see plenty of opportunity and all, but something really big in that category I believe is going to happen, and it's going to be what we're going to talk about on the news for weeks at a
1: time. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Bernie Borges. 60 seconds, your go.
3: So, in the context of our discussion today, digital marketing, and and in the context of digital marketing and B two B selling, uh, I continue to see video as a bigger and bigger element of how salespeople communicate and engage with prospects and customers. So. My crystal ball prediction, Bonnie, is that video will continue to become mainstream, not just at the brand level, because it already is, but at the salesperson level. It's not there yet today, but I believe that we're headed there. I think the technology is getting easier for salespeople to create their own videos. A lot of organizations are providing the training and the the tools and technology to make it easier. And back to my 18 touch points in the sales cadence I spoke of earlier, when you can produce a personalized video, and if, Bonnie, you're my prospect and I send you a short personalized video, that might set me apart from my competitors until everybody else is doing it. But that's, what I, that's my prediction is that it is becoming more and more mainstream uh, over the next five years, and that's video communication from B2B sellers.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. Kirsten, you're going to wrap this up. We've got 60 seconds for you, and then we're out. Go ahead.
4: I predict over the next five years that I really see, you know, I still think that there are a lot of silos between marketing and sales, um, particularly in digital marketing, Uh, you know, as I'm going through this upskilling process with our marketing organization, and I'm actually going through a digital marketing certification uh, for myself, um, I'm seeing a lot of areas that sales knows nothing about, and... Uh, and I think there's an opportunity for uh, sales and marketing to work much more closely together, even more closely than they do here already at SAP when it comes to digital selling. We work very closely together with, with sales. Um, however, I think there's so many opportunities to uh, infuse other areas of digital marketing into uh, sales and vice versa. There's a lot more opportunities to infuse the way that sales operates um, into how uh, a digital marketer then does their job, I think there's so much more opportunity to bring those two even closer together than they are today
1: thank you very much good goal I want to thank my three panelists appreciate all of your time and your insights great prep I want to thank Kirsten's teammate AJ uh, Mohammed Arif at SAP for always Kirsten he does such a wonderful job pulling everything together for me before the show and I also want to thank Aaron Keller our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio the business channel for getting us on the air and keeping us there yes he does so we're going to say over and out it's been a great conversation hope you all learned something lots of tweets follow the action and the fun at hashtag SAP Radio. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Whatever you're driving or not driving, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Mike O'Neill at Integrated Alliance, our rock star trainer, just like Bernie Borges at "Go, Vengreso, Gresso, and just like Kirsten Boyleau at SAP. Have a great one. I'll be back in one hour with a new episode of Game Changing Technology and Sports, talking about tech and the New York Yankees. Play ball. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again, Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.